Today on The Breakdown, there's some players who are showy, there's some players who are famous, there are some players who are showy famous, and there are some players who are famous for being showy, but there are some players who are neither showy nor famous, but are among the best in the whole dang world. And we have one of those players today on this show. Well, not actually on the show, but we're going to talk about one of these players today in a hand that he played from Live at the Bike, a cash game where thousands of dollars go in, and he makes a play. This is Chris Claude Nicky I'm talking about. He makes a play that is something we sometimes theorize about, sometimes we talk about, but you don't really ever see anyone actually pull the trigger on, no matter how much chutzpah they think they have. But this guy, this non-showy, only sort of famous guy, considering his resume, still, he finds a way to make this kind of a play. And we're, what kind of play is that? Well, you're going to have to listen in to the breakdown. Hey. First time, no rehearsal. I say fuck second take. Not his baby scratching a so vinyl. Is, uh, is this showy famous graph something that I can find on the internet where, you know, there's like a, a, like a bunch of different points in, in a cluster and then like up in the... Top right corners, Tom Dwan or something like that. Mm. So, some yeah. version of that, basically. Yeah, Victor Blom, both showy and famous. Daniel Granu, both yeah. showy and famous. Phil Helmuth, I guess he's more famous than showy, although it depends on how we're defining showy a little bit. Jamie Gold at this point. I mean, everyone we name is going to be famous no matter what. They're going to do pretty well, right? Because we know them. We know of them. But well, we could we could pick somebody that we just play cards with who's really right. showy and he's clearly not famous. Yeah, we could do that. Or we could pick someone who's famous and not showy, like Eric Seidel. Certainly yeah. famous, certainly not showy in any way. Eric Seidel. If Eric Seidel was at a party with me, I might not know it. If Eric Seidel was sitting next to me, I might not know it. I'm just saying. You, you know? would know it. He's like six foot nine. Yeah, but he's so quiet. <laughs> he is quiet. He is quiet. <laughs> he seems so friendly and sweet, though, too, you know? That smile, that Seidel smile. The yeah, like you can uh I'm gonna eat that cook, thing. I'm gonna cook you and eat you smile. But but it's you're gonna enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna feel like I was doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. In the end, we're all gonna agree. <laughs> uh, that got weird. Got extra weird. Anyway, Chris Yeah, you just accused you just yeah. accused one of the most beloved <laughs> poker figures of cannibalism. Yeah. I did. Um I don't know if accused is the right word, though. I, I talked about... You suggested, you suggested that that would be part of his yeah. routine in life. I'm just saying accused is so pejorative. It makes it sound like that would be a bad thing to, to say he was involved with, which I don't know if that's I fair. guess that's true. I didn't really look at it from the lens of neutrality of like, Thank should you. we discuss whether cannibalism is bad or not? We haven't like, even done that show okay. yet. Yeah, we yeah. haven't done that show. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, and if, if Eric Seidel himself actually is a cannibal like we are speculating currently, <laughs> with no evidence except the smile, um, he may really feel like, how, why, why is it bad that I am the way I am? I just, you know, this is who I am. I was born this way. And, uh, you know, why is everyone coming at me for wanting to eat people? I don't, I don't get it. I don't really get it, you know? And so I'm going to smile and, and uh, I'm going to have to eat you. Now. All right. Well, let's save defending cannibals for a future <laughs> podcast. These, uh, the shows always go in interesting directions. I'll just say that. Yeah. Eric Seidel, not anywhere near this hand, by the way. Oh, just, no. Uh, not even just close. Just a guy. Not even close. Chris Klodnicki, yeah. more showy than Eric Seidel. Yeah, and Chris Klodnicki is a player that we've done one breakdown before on. Yeah. Uh, it was a World Series of Poker main event hand where he played it somewhat aggressively and then ended up 
in the passive position in the hand and made a very peculiar hero call that we couldn't quite wrap we, our minds around. We thought it was. We with, thought at the time, at least, it was bad. I know it was a few years ago now, but he called with yeah. ace high in a spot where a, his opponent uh, Matthew, someone or other, uh, just seemed like he almost always had it. Like he was going to yeah. have it so so often, and in fact, did of course have it. Um, and that ended basically ended Clyde Nicky's main event that year. Um, anyway, Clyde Nicky, by the way, I was saying he's one of the best players in the world. You may be like, why would you say that? Well, he is. He has over ten million in earnings. He uh, he's a top one hundred all time guy on the money list. And if you watch him play, he's like kind of always doing really well. You know, it's like he's always almost always making good decisions, except maybe that one which we question. Um, he seems to have a good read on people. He seems to make people's lives hard. It's all the stuff you want in a poker pro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to the hand. All right. Which was suggested, it was suggested by Iraqi fella. Mm-hmm. Iraqi fella, like the country, um, on Twitter. He, he suggested like, it. Sorry, go ahead. On Twitter, of yes. course. What is your question about the name? He doesn't, it isn't like a Rocky fella, like the thing from the Fantastic Four, because he's No, Rocky. it's like the country Iraq okay. with an I at the end. It isn't like I-Rocky, I-Rocky, like I am Rocky. I don't know. Is that weird? I don't know why you keep asking questions. I already told you exactly what it is. Also, Rocky, like from the movies, Rocky. It's just another question I have. (laughs) All right. Grant's so upset right now. You guys can't see it, but I can see his face because we're we're doing FaceTime as we do this. And uh, he's really not happy. It's it's what I live I'm for. Just, it's what I'm, I'm here just for. letting you. I'm just letting you keep going. I did. I, I'm not upset. At it. Oh, he's <laughs> enjoying. Upset. Anyway, Iraqi fella suggested yeah. this hand on Twitter, included a YouTube link, and timestamped it, which was important because it had yeah. multiple hands in the video. If you don't timestamp it, we can't find it. That is the lost art of the hand suggestion. So please suggest on Twitter, include a YouTube link or a Poker Go link or whatever. And make sure you tell us what time in the video it is or embed the video at that time. I would like to say, Iraqi fella, great job with this hand, too. Like, no one else suggested it. And this is totally a breakdown-worthy hand. Like, as soon as, as soon as Grant described it to me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm all about. Yeah, I said something like that, right? So good job, that's Iraqi sizzles. Fella. It sizzles, man. It sizzles. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's, let's swim in the, in the ocean of poker analysis. <laughs> what do you say? Take a little dive, sounds, a little dip. Sounds good. Is it? Are there dangerous animals in there? There always are. There always but are. But it's worth it because it's like such a pleasant swim. Well, yeah, and, and I'm going to say it's not the typical kind of dangerous animals you might be imagining. It's not like your sharks, which is you know so cliche at this point. Grant, come on. It's not like killer whales because also kind of cliche. It's like swimming aardvarks, swimming anteaters. Guy, you know, swimming hedgehogs, things you wouldn't expect to be there. Just swimming have things a, that, all things that eat ants. Yeah, things you'd have a real problem with if you were an ant. <laughs> <laughs> do, uh, is that true, by the way? Do aardvarks and hedgehogs eat ants? Where, how do you know that? I think an aardvark is an anteater. Isn't that the same mm-hmm. thing? Absolutely not. For no? sure, not at all. They look completely different. Massively different. It. Well, I thought you actually knew something about nature and you have revealed yourself once again... To be the fool. I thought, you know, you, you watch all, like, the, the planet Earth stuff. So I thought you were going to really have something, you know, impressive to say here. And, man, the I've been let vark, down. The aardvark is a medium-sized burrowing nocturnal mammal native to Africa. Yeah, an anteater is like, it's like, if, the people, if, if, if people designed animals, like, six of them, like, took some meth... And then got drunk and were like, sure, I'll do that. That's, that's, what, that's what an anteater is, man. Those things are weird as hell. 
I've seen one in yeah, the no, flesh. They freak me out right. every time. They're different. They They're look both like kind of gross animals. Both of them. They look. So. It looks like like a rejected animal from Sesame Street. You know, like like Snuffleupagus was going to be an answer. Like this is too terrifying for the children. Throw it out, and instead it it became an actual creature. That's what I feel like happened. That's what I'm going. Man. Aardvarks are kind of terrifying, too. Did you know that aardvarks are... They look like giant rats, but they, they get up to 140 pounds. That's what? terrifying. Yeah. 140 pounds? Yeah. Wow. That is weird. That's weird. That's really weird. I don't, I'm disturbed now, and I'm glad I'm not on the plains of Africa next to an adult aardvark. I mean, do or, they just kill you? Or anteater. An anteater won't they, kill you they, unless you're an ant. That's the good news for us. But an aardvark, 140-pound aardvark, should I be worried? If I, if I, I, think, I think you should be worried right now in your apartment that they're coming <laughs> for you. Um, okay. That's fine, too. I'm ready. Okay, I'm now worrying. I wasn't until you said that. Now I'm worried about aardvarks. The, right, only the big ones. Of which, speaking of which, Chris Claude Nicky. Yeah, aardvark. Is, uh, yeah, he's the an aardvark. aardvark. That's what they call well, him. He's an aardvark enthusiast. He's a known aardvark <laughs> enthusiast, which is why they call him the aardvark. Yeah, it's, this is great. I hope this sticks. <laughs> anyway, Claude Nicky has 16K. It's a uh, $100 big blind, and he's in the cutoff. It's folded to him. We're playing cash game live at the bike. He's got ace of spades, queen of diamonds. He's going to raise it to 300. Seems good so far. Good play by Chris Claude Nicky. I, I got nothing to say except, uh-huh. Then we got a guy named Francisco on the button. He's got 8,400 in his stack, 84 bigs. I think he's probably an amateur because he calls with king of spades, eight of clubs, just the flat with king eight off on the button. I, I don't see any world where you could justify this. Maybe if they were 300 blinds deep, he could be like, I'm calling because position, the power position's so good, at, you know, and I have a sort of reasonable hand, and that's enough. Because we're so, so, so deep and I'm in position. And I'm great at playing post-flop. I'm like, yeah. the, like I'm Phil Galfond over here. Otherwise, this seems crazy. This is obviously just not a good play. There's no, there's no defending this in any way, right? Like, it's impossible to defend this. Well, he's got position, and luckily for him, he's not dominated as he has king eight yeah. against Claude Nicky's ace-queen. The blinds all fold. Pot is $875. Okay. Let's go to the flop, shall we? Let's do it. All right, it's a big nothing burger for everybody. It's the seven of spades, the jack of diamonds, and the three of spades. If you're Claude Nicky, are you continuing on this board with ace queen? I mean, yeah, I probably am. I have the ace of spades in my hand. That sets up some nice turn bets if we hit a spade because um, we pick up equity as well as we have the nut blocker, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we, have, we have two back doors. We have overs. I mean, there's... It's a, it's a little connecty. It may not be super easy to get a fold on a Jack-7 X2 spade board. Um, but there's a lot of folds we're going to get anyway. And what are we doing if we're not going to bet this? Are we going to check call? Are we going to check fold? Check folding seems like just incorrect. So I'd rather bet than check call mostly with a hand like this. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think so, especially with two spades on the board. Like you said, we have a lot of opportunities to two or three barrel uh, yeah. if spades come in. And obviously we could hit our queen or our ace as well or backdoor straight draws, etc. So yeah, I think I prefer a bet, but maybe Claude Nicky knows something about Francisco because Claude Nicky does check. Francisco does bet with a weaker hand. Yeah. For four hundred and eight seventy five and Claude Nicky does call. So this makes me wonder if maybe Claude Nicky's been playing with Francisco for a while, has recognized that Francisco is way too wide pre flop. And therefore, combinatorially has enough air on this board that check calling is the most profitable line with a strong ace high. Huh. 
I mean, it, it just sets up some really weird turn spots for Claude Nicky, you know, and that's, that's my, like, what if we turn an ace? Oh, sorry, not an ace. What if we turn a spade? Um, we're not going to lead, right? So then we're either check-raising or just when it goes check-check, betting the river, I guess. I guess that's what we're doing. I guess that's fine. Uh, it's, just, it's just hard to, like, if we actually do hit a good card like an ace or a queen, it's weird to suddenly donk. Although maybe he knows enough about Francisco to know he can just check, and Francisco's going to keep betting a lot anyway. Perhaps. Uh, what do you think think about Francisco's bet? Do you think that was a wise decision to bet the flop here? Um, in a vacuum, I don't hate it. Uh, he's got two back doors. He doesn't really have any reasonable true equity, though. You know, like I guess he could yeah. get a, hit a king or an eight. We we decided to call this. I assume partially because we're on the button. But one of the values of the button is when the guy shows he's not strong, we get to attack. You know, I think it's fine to bet here. If we're, if we're not going to bet here, why are we calling with this pre-flop? You know, like, we can't be hoping to make two pair or, like, you know, flop well with this hand. Like, we have to have a lot of steals. So I don't have a problem with it. What do, you, do you? No. I think it's, I think it's a perfectly yeah. fine thing to do. I think it's pretty clear that Kladniki has, like, either kind of a monster-type hand or ace-high a lot of the time, unless Kladniki's balancing. I don't know if Kladniki's going to be balancing against a player like Francisco. I'm not sure about that. But... It looks like ace high, right? When Claude I mean, Nicky checks. He can have a lot of medium pair type hands here. He can have like seven eights suited. He can have pocket eights or pocket sixes. Yeah. But he, you don't expect him to have very many jacks or better. That's for sure. And you right. don't expect him to, yeah. But I think he can have all the medium pair type stuff. Right. So, all that to say, his check calling range from a traditional perspective. Now, Claude Nicky's tricky. That rhymes. Uh, so, hmm. maybe he's going to have some stuff that you don't expect him to show up with. But, it looks like this has to be a multi-street plan from Francisco for it to be profitable because when Claude Nicky checks, I feel like he's going to have a call a lot of the time on the flop. Yeah, uh, I think you're probably right. I, I actually think this is probably a leak. Uh, I don't know if Claude, not necessarily Claude Nicky because we're making up what his range is here, really, in terms of his checking range. But I think it for in general for players, I'm probably included in this, uh, where when we had the advantage pre-flop, we had the initiative, and we're heads up, and we check on boards. We rarely have folds, right? Like, there's maybe a few really bad boards for us where we actually do, like, five, six, seven. You know, we have ace-queen, and we're up against the big blind or something like that. And we're in the small blind. We're up against the big blind, and we, ch- we might check-fold that sometimes. But, like, mostly when we check there, we're checking a call, right? And it's like, yeah. we're not really balanced. And that's, There's some players that I have check raises against that I'm like, oh, they bet way sure. too much, so this is a spot for a check raise because yeah. I have like an overpaired that I'm comfortable going with or something like that. Or some players that are like the most obvious player in the world, and you can check your ace high, and if they bet, you just fold because right. when they bet, they have top pair or better, you know? Like, yeah. I but what I'm saying is like when we check, we have very few folds, which means like people really shouldn't be taking that many shots on the flop when we check. You know, if we well, had the it's a multi-street game. Yeah, you get, no, you're you right. Three opportunities to bet. Yeah, so no, you, you you begin to tell your story right away. That's true, and actually, you make more money too. Like if they call the flop and fold the turn and river, so that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I, mean, it I guess anyway. I'm, just, I'm just wondering about the the balance problem there. I think there's a bit of a balance problem right now. The way people play. That's all. Yeah, I think I think that's actually being solved at the higher levels. I think it's quite possible that Claude Nicky doesn't have a balance problem and is capable of mm-hmm. of being balanced in the right ways. But Francisco is the type of player that he has no need to balance against, yeah. and he's aware of it, and he's just going to play it in the way that he feels like is pragmatically the most plus EV way possible right now. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, you said something about a story to tell. Well, children gather around. 
Because yes. I have a story to tell you. Yes, the legend. Gri- yes, Grandpa. Yes, tell the us. The legend. Stop. Stop it, child. Stop speaking. <laughs> the legend of nitrogen sports. Yes, and Grandpa. Child, if you speak again, I will go fetch the town wizard and he will do horrible things. Anyway, the legend of nitrogen sports from which you receive your Bitcoin in only 90 minutes. The lore has gone through lands and people no longer believe. But it is true, Jonathan, for you request your Bitcoin from nitrogen sports and they give it to you in one and one half human hours. (laughs) But Grandpa, is it true that they have a monthly tournament where there's an incredible overlay? The legend lives on, yet I have not confirmed it for myself. But I have a friend. <laughs> His name is Steve. <laughs> he, he, he claims of a land, Nitrogen Sports Poker, where there is a monthly tournament with an incredible overlay. They guarantee a thousand buy-ins. They don't even let in more than 300 players. No, sir, no. It is possible. Believe the legend. <laughs> Or else, why are we even here? Nitrogen supports. All right. That was a different, different I, way to do I that. I feel like we just, I just dove in this really refreshing pool and swam around, man. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. You know, doing ads for the same, the same guys for many years, you got you to gotta change it up once in a while. Well, we have. <laughs> I think that officially <laughs> counts as changing it up. I like how you uh, made sure to say to everyone that, we don't know actually if they have a monthly tournament. <laughs> it's unknown <laughs> if they have this incredible overlay. Um, they do. They did do. We, did true. you mention the link in the description? I don't remember. I was no, so caught I up didn't. in the voice. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mention that. Guys, Go ahead and do that. that. Like, if you sign up, you have to use the link. Otherwise, you can't get access to the tournament. Blah blah blah. Overlay. Blah blah blah. All right. Yeah. Done. Handled. I took care of it. All right. Let's go back. Let's come back to the realm of men and Chris Claude Nikki yeah. and Francisco. And. Uh, We've got $1,675 in the pot after Claude Nicky check called, having been the original Razor preflop with Ace of Spades, Queen of Diamonds. Francisco has King of Spades, Eight of Clubs, took a shot on the flop, got called. Turn is the Five of Spades. Mm. Claude Nicky now has the nut flush draw. Francisco has the second nut flush draw. And it goes check, check. Let's talk about it. Okay. What do you think? Do you think Claude Nicky should have considered leading? Uh, I think if he thinks that... Uh Francisco is going to be taking lots of shots. This is the kind of card he really would take a shot on, right? Because Claudinicki has very few flush draws on the flop when he checks, calls it. Um, right. So Francisco's the guy who has all the flushes, in theory, anyway. So if Francisco's bluffing, then he's going to bet here a lot, you would think. Now, it goes check, check, so that's not true. But you would think that. I would think that as Claudinicki. And this is actually... So, we, so I actually like the idea of check raising rather than leading here, personally. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's good. I like that idea. Also, like, our story is just so weird. Like, if we lead on this card, it's like, so I had the nut flush draw. I check called, and now I'm leading. Like, who does that? Like, almost no one ever. It's such a weird line. It seems like it's got to be suboptimal to do that line. Yep. Um, Obviously, there I Yeah, go on. I I like that. I like that plan in general. The check race plan? Yeah, yeah, maybe that is Claude Nicky's plan. What about Francisco checking back? I don't understand what the hell he's doing. Like, this is a great card for Francisco. One, as we said, Kladniski has almost no flush draws on the flop. Almost zero. Francisco has all the flush draws on the flop, based on yep. how he played it. He has the king of spades in his hand, which also blocks Kladniski's flush draws. 
and is a, it's just a perfect card. This seems like an ideal card to barrel on. Like, I, what are we hoping for? We're hoping for a king? Like, those don't come around very often. But there are, there are a, there's 10 spades just sitting there, you know, out in, the, out in the wild. One of them may show up on the turn. One of them did. It's not even like an ace of spades. It's such a great card to barrel. I'm shocked he doesn't bet this. This feels like a huge mistake. If you're going to play this hand, right? If, it feels like he's clearly behind Claude Nicky when he gets called on the flop, right? Yeah, yeah. And like you said, from a traditional ranging perspective, Francisco by the turn has a massive range advantage. He has yeah. way more flushes now. Claude Nicky, of course, is going to be the type of player who has some, and he's probably going to try to rep that if he gets bet into probably. on the turn. So, so maybe Francisco saved himself from from being blown off the hand on the turn by checking back. I don't know. Still, you have King Eight High. Who cares? Like. Take your shot. I know maybe he's trying to get to the river without having to worry about getting check raised because he has the king of spades. He wants to draw for free. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, this just points to what feels like a complete lack of a plan for Francisco, where it's like, I'm going to call with this hand because I'm going to bet because he checked. Cool. But then I don't have anything. I'm not thinking about the turn when I'm betting the flop and he calls, you know, like part of your plan has to be, okay, what cards am I going to keep barreling on? What cards are good to bluff on? This is one of the best cards to bluff on. And the lack of a plan is, I mean, it's crazy to me that he doesn't bet here. Also, now it's hard for Francisco to rep a flush. Or, you know, I guess he could, I guess he's repping one pair here. But, like, since he has the king of spades in his hand, I just don't know why. And, and clearly, Clyde, it looks like Claude Nicky has, like, two eights, right? And it looks like Francisco can, oh, he has an eight in his hand, so it's harder for, Claude Nicky has whatever, two sixes. And, like, this is a kind of card we could potentially move him off two sixes with. Like, it's... Absolutely, and, and again, multi-street. We got the king of spades. We can fire the river, too. I just don't know why we'd play this hand this way. I just don't like it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, I mean, I think it disappoints Claude Nicky most likely. I think his yeah. plan was what you laid out, that he was going to probably check raise with the nut blocker here. But so. the, doesn't get the opportunity. Does have the best hand, though, which is nice to have. I mean, when it goes check, check, as Claude Nicky, we have to start to think, like, well, Francisco isn't very strong. Great. Francisco's yeah. pretty much always going to bet his flushes on the turn and probably most of his other strong stuff too because how does Claude Nicky have him very... Claude Nicky, as we said, has almost no flushes based on how he's played it. And so Claude Nicky's got to think, great, I have the nut blocker. I have a great opportunity to steal this pot even if I'm behind, which I might be. Honestly, when Francisco, when Francisco checks the turn, I assume as Claude Nicky, I'm behind now. I wouldn't think I'm ahead, but I assume I'm behind to a relatively weak hand. Unless Francisco's the type who just gives up after one shot a lot, and Claude Nicky uh, knows that. Right. The, the way Claude Nicky played the flop made me think he had a Francisco-based plan, so maybe he's aware of all of these tendencies Francisco has. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe you're right. Anyway, let's head to the river. It okay. is the Ten of Diamonds. Ten of Diamonds, big nothing for both players. Seven of Spades, Jack of Diamonds, three of Spades, flop. Five of Spades on the turn, giving Claude Nicky the nut flush draw and Francisco the second nut flush draw. The river is the Ten of Diamonds, Nobody has a pair. Nobody has a flush. Nobody has a straight. <laughs> it's all nothing. Whole lot of nothing. All right. Should Claude Nicky take a shot with yeah. ace high? I think so. Okay. 16.75 in the pot. What sizing do you like? What are you trying to get Francisco to fold? That's the question. I'm not trying to get him to fold the jack. I'm trying to get him to fold hands that are worse than a jack, so I don't have to bet that much. I can probably bet uh, 1000 bucks. probably get the job done, I would think, when the 10 comes. Like... I would think we can fold out a seven. I can think we can pull out pocket sixes and all sorts of stuff like that. I think we'd be successful doing that for a thousand dollars when we check. Call I disagree. I disagree with you. Okay. I I think we're trying to fold out a jack if we're betting here. Wow, that seems crazy. How are we going to fold out we, a jack? 
we're gonna bet big. I mean, I think that what maybe story I don't know enough telling? about I don't know enough about Francisco, and clearly I wouldn't play King Eight off this way if I yeah. were Francisco. But if I were Francisco and I had taken this line, I would certainly have jacks in my range. Lots of jacks in my range. You'd have a lot of bets on the turn in your range, though, too, with a jack specifically. Like the five of spades is have not all, a scare card for you as Francisco. I mean, if I have king jack of diamonds and my opponent is Chris Klodnicki and he's tricky and I'm aware yeah. of that, yeah. I'm going to be concerned about the spades a little bit. And I okay. might check back and hope Klodnicki, I don't know, does something on the river. Yeah, let's play this out, though. Like, so then Klodnicki bets pot, you're going to fold King Jack? Well, if maybe if I wasn't expecting a pot size bet, I, I'm, I, I might consider it. I don't know. I mean, it seems crazy to have a hand, like a Jack, to play a Jack like that and then fold top pair on the river. When, when Klodnicki is, based on the line Klodnicki's taking, I mean, I guess he's got a few really strong hands here, but very few. He has pocket tens and once in a while the, uh, the flush, but like, man, it doesn't seem like he has much. I just think that the value of potentially folding out a jack for, for more money is probably worth the more money because this looks like a jacky line from Francisco. Like, he has plenty of jacks. I just disagree. I, I think it looks like a weaker hand than that. I think Francisco's going to bet a fair amount of jacks on the turn um, to deny equity because the third spade comes. Mostly, Kladnicki doesn't have spades. Okay, sure, he can have a little bit, but mostly he doesn't. Um, but we don't want to just give him a free shot at a flush uh, or over cards or whatever he might have. So what are you uh, putting Klodnicki on? I'm putting on like a, a small pair. I'm honestly putting both okay. these, in each guy's so shoes. Why would I'm you, the other guy in so, like a medium, a medium pair. So why are, you betting, why are you betting the turn with a jack then if you, if you put Klodnicki on a small pair? Oh, uh, well, he can have a small pair and still have really good equity, right? He can have a seven with uh, a spade in his hand, a big spade in his hand like the Ace of Spades, for example. Um, that's not unreasonably open from the cutoff. And he checked yeah. all the flop. Like, uh, that, it is fair that, except for the Spade part, like I wouldn't necessarily think uh, Claude Nicky's going to check call with just like random overcards like he did. So that's to your, to your point. Like there's maybe not as much equity to protect against as I'm talking about. But the Jack yeah. is almost always the best hand here. I don't know. I don't know. If my, if my reputation as Francisco is such that, like, people think I just show up with any two cards and I bet all the time, like, I would definitely bet a jack on the turn and feel really comfortable doing that. I don't know. I mean, typically, I, I'm going to go for value on the river and not the turn. I don't expect three streets with a jack either I way. Think against and Claude, I, don't th- I think if we're Francisco against Claude Nicky, we can absolutely get three streets. Yeah, well, we don't we want will. to assign... I mean, I know this is all convoluted because we're assigning like our own thought processes to to Francisco massively, which is not what which is not what's going on. Yeah, um, which I think is important because like maybe Francisco is going to look at sizing and say like, oh, pot size bet, I should fold a jack, no matter what. Okay, else is maybe going on in the hand, maybe, you know, like, but also, but if that's the case, I think a lot of players who are less sophisticated are going to be more apt to bet top pair on the turn rather than less apt to bet it. And Francisco's the guy who called think, with King Eight. I mean, I, I disagree. I think I think that players who are less sophisticated are more likely to check back a jack on the turn because they won't recognize that Klodnicki has fewer spades than them. Uh, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. That's not crazy. Uh, well, I think it's a mistake to try and fall that top pair. I really do. And I think a pot size bet shouldn't work very often with this line. 
So I, I think well, it's probably just not not an effective line to take. Well, that's what I believe Claudnicki is attempting because he does bet 1700 into 1675. I believe he's trying to give himself at least a shot to, to fold out a jack along with the other weaker hands that he could fold out. I mean, look, if Claudnicki bet 2800, I would agree with you. He's definitely trying to fold out a jack. I'm not sure he's trying to fold out a jack. I, he, I think he could very reasonably be just trying to fold out a seven or pocket sixes or something like that and not like to make it so Francisco's just not going to hear a call with those hands because he sized it up a bit. That that's more that's more of my line of thinking here, but we obviously don't know. Yeah. Either way, that's what Klodnicki does. Yeah. But seventeen hundred with ace high. All right. So Francisco obviously can't call. Should he consider raising as a bluff based on Klodnicki's line? He does have kind of great blockers to raise. He blocks both the second nut flush and the straight that just came in on the river. Right? Eight yeah. nine is a straight. That's kind of like, boy, if I was ever gonna Ever want to bluff here? This is kind of the ideal hand to do it with, with these amazing blockers, right? I mean, you'd rather have the ace of spades, obviously. Of course. But, like, we have a, a really key spade, and we block the straight also. And we're the kinds of guy, we are more, we're the only guy who can really have probably both, but certainly the straight. Like, there's no way Claude Nicky check called with 8-9 off right. on, on the flop. And we can have that and then check the turn when the five of spades comes. I don't know if we would, but we could. It's at least possible. We're like, all right, all right. I'm not going to, like, just keep putting money in. Then, hey, I got there. Oh, my gosh. Now, would we raise if we had the straight is an interesting question. I don't know if we would. When Claude Nicky bets pot? Yeah, yeah it's probably just call, like, right? We're just hoping he has a set of 10s at that point. Like, what are we get? Yeah, that's like the only thing we could even maybe get called by if we had yeah. the straight is a set of 10s. And I don't know if we could. He might fold yeah. the set of 10s, right? Um, still, this is this at least does have good blockers. Our story is terrible, except for the 8-9, though, which we might not raise. Because if we hit a flush on the turn, you just would expect we'd bet it most of the time, right? Like, wouldn't we just bet yeah. a flush? Usually, usually, uh, maybe the nut flush exactly we aren't betting. Maybe. But, like, everything else is vulnerable anyway. Build a pot, blah, blah, blah. I just don't know why we wouldn't bet it. So, so you think Francisco should give up and fold? I think against a guy like Chris Klodnicki, I'd be a little more inclined to give up because we checked the turn. Now, we were supposed to bet the turn. <laughs> yeah. If we had bet the turn and then Klodnicki suddenly led the river, I think we could really reasonably raise here and tell a very good story along with having the right blockers, and it all comes together really nicely. But I don't know. I, don't, I think Kleidnicki's probably a little too smart to, make, to try and make this play against, with, even though we have good blockers right now, because our story's so ridiculously bad. What do you think? Well, I mostly agree with you. I think uh, Francisco concludes that Kleidnicki's story is bad enough that, that Francisco should be, should be raising because of that. So he does. He makes it 4,600. He's only got 3K back. It's a pretty strong-looking raise, despite the story being bad. I mean, the thing I like about this is this, in theory, could actually fold out a set of 10s. We can actually target super strong parts of Klodnicki's range right now and have this still work, in theory, right, when we raise here. Yeah. But what do we have? We had to have checked a flush on the turn to do that, which feels like... How often do people do that? I guess they do sometimes, but usually not. Usually you just bet your flushes, right? You want to build that pot up. Well, I think the check on the turn hurt Francisco in the end because it's about to happen, Jonathan. Yeah. The play is about to happen that we've so been talking excited. about. Francisco made it 4,600. So the pot is now, let me take a look here at what the size of the pot is. It's uh, 56, 64 plus 16. So the pot has gotten pretty serious. It's about 8K right now. Mm-hmm. And Francisco's got 3K back. And Claude Nicky 
moves in yeah. for 3,000 more effective yeah. with the nut blocker. This is the ultimate nut blocker play. They're like, I have to have the nuts, and I know you can't have it. What are you going to do? Like, how can you deal with this? Now, against an amateur, I am concerned about this play yeah, because too. I'm worried they're going to call with any flush. Also, maybe, maybe any straight. Maybe the straight also. Right. But Francisco, like you said, probably doesn't have a flush because he checked the turn. No, it's the straight so, that we'd be worried about is called Nikki. Yeah. The question is, can we get maybe maybe we can get him to fold the straight anyway? This is sort of like yeah. targeting Claude Nikki's uh, set of tens. If we're if now we're targeting as Claude Nikki Francisco's eight nine, then like those are hands that may not be able to call raises, even though they're kind of top of range top of the range for these players. All right, here's a question. Yeah, should Claude Nikki have considered just calling instead of moving in? I mean, he certainly should have considered it. Uh, well, maybe he did, but like, yeah. should, okay. would, would that have been the better option than moving in, saving the three K? Mm. Because Francisco doesn't really have any medium strength hands you would expect. Right. Um, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, the only reason to move in is because we think we can fold out like Jack ten or eight nine. Right. That's it. Yeah. Otherwise, we can call or fold. Honestly. I, I my guess is mostly in this spot the most profitable play is just to fold your hand, not to like call or to raise. <laughs> like against well, a normal yeah. opponent, throw your hand away. It's the way to go, right? Um, is it more profitable to call versus raise? G- probably because, uh, like you're saying, Francisco is polarized, and we still get to capture all the value against the bluffs as long as he doesn't turn one pair to a bluff. As long as he's not one of those guys, because if he's turning yeah, one to a guess- bluff. It's only three K more. It's only three K more. Maybe it's worth just in case he's got like three, four suited and is turning it into a bluff, you know? Right. And what if he has a hand like Jack 10 and just feels like he has to raise and then you give him the bad news? Like, is he actually going to call with it? Some people, some amateurs will, some won't, you know, some amateurs. Yeah. Like I've told this story before, but like, and the end of day two of the millionaire maker, uh, back in the day, like three years ago at the world series, this kid who was running all over the table and playing amazing, was crushing it. And then this old dude was sitting on my right. And, you know, the board ended up being king, 10, uh, king, 10, nine, nine, queen. And the kid had raised preflop, had bet the flop, check called the turn, and the queen came on the river. And the kid check raised all in on the river. And the old guy who had jack 10, so he had the second nut straight, but the board was paired, just called without thinking about it. And it was the biggest pot I had seen in the tournament at that point. It was like a million, million chip pot. It busted the kid. And the old guy just didn't even consider folding. He's just like, I have a straight, you know? And the kid was out beside himself. He was like pulling his hair out. He couldn't believe the guy called so fast with a hand that I would have probably folded really quickly. <laughs> Honestly, the guy just like picked up a chip and threw it in because he had a straight and that was that, you know? There's nothing to think about in his mind. Um, yeah, so that's I mean, I remember, the real danger. What? I remember that story, and and I remember thinking like that that old guy who called accidentally did actually have like the perfect calling hand. If you don't have a better hand than that, any any hand that's a pair and the straight blocks the nut straight and blocks full houses. That's mm-hmm. actually your best bluff catchers. Yeah, and I will say this kid was check raising all in a lot, but it, none of that was going on in this dude's head. Uh, this dude was just I mean, remember because he won the pot. The kid started. The kid like literally almost pulled his hair out. He was so upset walks like storms off and the guy like says i'm sitting right next to him but he says pretty much quietly to himself i have i have over a million chips 
Like, he just can't <laughs> believe it. He's in a World Series event and this happened. There's no thinking about blockers, you know? And this, is, yeah. this goes to my point with Claude Nicky is, like, maybe we just can't get Jack 10 to fall for 3,000 more. And if we can't do that, then we should not be moving in, right? Like... What are we doing? So, like, against a really... I was saying to you before we started this, like, you're the perfect guy to do this play against because you're totally going to fold. Like, the second nuts, I think you're going to fold in this spot. Understandably. Don't get me wrong. Until you know someone's capable of bluffing here, this is a pretty straightforward fold, I think, even with the second nuts almost always, against almost everybody, right? Yeah. Um, which sounds crazy, but, yeah. Uh, like, that's the profitable play. But, like, man, the people who don't know that they're supposed to fold, or they're just like, I have a good hand, so of course not. Let's just put a lot of money in here, and that's that. They, they don't understand relative hand strength and stuff like that. Man, oh, man, you're just, all you do is, like, Chris Kladnicki could just be costing himself, you know, $6,000 here for no reason. Well, instead, he, you know, he gets to win the pot. He would have won the same amount if he just called, but he but did get way to cooler. win the pot. It's way yeah. cooler to move in, though. He did the play. He did the play. I would love to see Chris Kladnicki do this to Garrett, you know, because yeah. Garrett's the kind of guy, or Andy, guys who can absolutely find the fold button here with really big hands, you know, and that when you tell such a particular story, you know? Yeah. Um, although it's possible someone like Garrett might say, like, how many better hands do I have here and use distribution and uh, uh, make some calls that... Although I don't think so, actually. No, I think about Garrett folding some, like, second, second nut straights and stuff like that. I yeah, think Garrett tries to make some... The 10-7 hand. The- the 10 yeah. 7 hand. That like yeah. weird 10 7 hand. Yeah. Um, so, since he's going to make some exploitative folds, yeah, this is, it's a great hand to attack with. Just a great, great hand. And the who three bets all in on the river for th- such a tiny amount more for less than half pot and doesn't have it? The nuts. Nobody. Ever. Ever. They at least have the effective nuts. Sometimes you don't have the nuts, but it's like, all right, no one has deuce five off here, like based on how we play this hand pre flop. So, like, I have the nuts. You know, I have a set. I have top set. It's good. It's always going to yeah. be good here, you know? Um, I guess sometimes you can have like the third nuts and do it like on, with certain, certain boards with certain sets or something like that, where no one can have like pocket aces or pocket Kings based on how the hand played out. Right. But like, mostly it's just, you just don't ever see ever, ever, ever see this as a bluff ever. And it's awesome that Claude Nicky did it. Yeah. Good for him. Gold star showy. It's kind of a showy play. Oh, Uh-oh. I guess he's showy. He's Uh-oh. on the spectrum, the showy Start- spectrum. The x-axis, he's just bumped up a few dots, a few, few... Well, I guess you'll have to spend some time reorganizing your Excel spreadsheet later this evening. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Grandpa, tell us more about the legend. Son. <laughs> is my last breath. Everything Everyone. I say... What did I say? Music is my sunlight, and all I need is my mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.